Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Today, Jonathan Brentner is back to offer hope for chaotic times as he discusses his book, Triumph of the Redeemed. Dr. Kenneth Hill and Prophecy in the News magazine editor Lee's Cutshaw highlight the latest issue of the Prophecy in the News magazine. Where does your mind run to in the midst of adversity? How do you cope with these perilous times that touch all our lives in some significant way? Although most believers say they possess a hope of living forever in heaven, more often than not they pin their expectations on temporary outcomes when battered by the storms of life. The triumph of the redeemed reveals how the specifics of our eternal inheritance enable us to put the chaos that surrounds us into a biblical prophetic framework that both calms and encourages our hearts. I'm staff evangelist Josh Davis, and I recently had the opportunity to speak with Jonathan Brentner about these transformational truths. I'm privileged to be joined again by author Jonathan Brentner as we discuss his powerful book, The Triumph of the Redeemed. The subtitle is An Eternal Perspective That Calms Our Fears in Perilous Times. We certainly are living in perilous times, but we have hope because of Jesus Christ. If you missed yesterday's conversation, I encourage you to go back, listen to it again, whether that be through our website, all the different places where you can find Watchmen on the Wall. And we encourage you to go back and listen to that because we're going to jump back in on the discussion that we began on yesterday's program. Jonathan, one of the often heard criticisms of the premillennial perspective on Bible prophecy and the pre-tribulation rapture is that they are recent theological inventions, that they've just been around for 150 or 200 years. Is this true? And what do you see that the early church believed and taught? Those things are definitely not true. We know that during the first three centuries of the church, that premillennialism prevailed. And that was the belief that the words of Revelation 21 20 verses 1 to 10 were, were literal, and that Jesus would, would indeed reign for a thousand years upon the earth. And we see this in many of the church fathers. You know, we see this in Irenaeus, who was a, an early church father. He actually grew up in the city of Smyrna, one of the cities to which the book of Revelation was addressed. And, and others, such as Justin the Martyr, believed in in the millennium, and it's rather curious that some of these early church fathers, and, you know, people might bring this up, well, they didn't believe in a restoration of a kingdom for Israel, and sadly, some of them did not. But even those who did not still believed in a literal interpretation of the book of Revelation. It's interesting, Justin Martyr was one of those, but yet, you know, he criticized anyone who didn't believe and the fact that Jesus was going to reign for a thousand years in Jerusalem, and he was writing around the second century, third century, is was Irenaeus around that same time frame. Is for the rapture, there's also evidence in the early church that people believed that there was a guy named Ephraim the Syrian in the fourth century or during the 300s, and 
And there's a quote from him that reveals that he clearly believed in a pre-tribulation rapture. And Irenaeus, again, in his book Against Heresies that he wrote in 180 AD, he clearly believed that the Lord was going to come for his church and it would be followed by the great tribulation that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24. He saw a time that the Lord would take his church out of the world and that there would be tribulation. That doesn't mean he was necessarily pre-tribulation like we are, but he saw a difference between Jesus appearing in the second coming, and he saw a period of tribulation in between Jesus appearing, his second coming. And really, you know, the, the people that, well, I should say the Bible scholars that came up with the word rapture in the late 1800s, you know, they weren't inventing something, or they weren't inventing an event. They were simply giving a title to what God's Word already talked about in passages such as First Thessalonians four thirteen to five ten, and First Corinthians fifteen, and Philippians four, and Titus two with the blessed hope, and they were merely putting a name to it. And I love there's a quote by Ed Heinsohn who went home to be with the Lord, but he was a great biblical scholar regarding the end times yes. from Liberty University. Anyways, and he wrote this, and I wish I would have had this quote to put in my book, but I discovered it afterwards. He said, if you disagree on the timing of the rapture, please don't tell people there's never going to be a rapture. No, there must be a rapture, or the Bible is not true. There must be a time when the archangel shouts, when the trumpet sounds, and the dead in Christ are raised, and the living are caught up, First Thessalonians 4, 13-18. We may differ on the timing of the rapture, but not on the fact of the rapture. And I just love that quote from him. Yeah, that's a powerful quote. And, and one thing that I've thought of and heard recently is that, you know, whatever the church fathers say, yes, it's important. It, it carries some weight with it. But ultimately, we're going back to the scripture. And that's the first and foremost question is, you know, what does the scripture say? Where does the scripture point? I know what you believe and how you put that in your book. And friends, we are visiting with author Jonathan Brentner, and we're discussing his book, The Triumph of the Redeemed, an eternal perspective that calms our fears in perilous times. It's a wonderful guide that will help you to understand God's program for the end of this world, the premillennial perspective, pre-tribulation rapture, and a lot of the history, as he just explained for us, and we encourage you to pick up a copy of this book by calling 1-800-652-1144 or by visiting us online at swrc.com. Now, Jonathan, on the other side of the perspective, many amillennial people, Christians who hold to that view, and by the way, they are still brothers and sisters in Christ. We can differ on these things and still be going to heaven together. But those who hold to that all-millennial view that basically teaches that, you know, we are in the millennial age right now, they take it more of an allegory instead of a literal thousand-year period of time. But historically speaking, as we look back, how did that view of Bible prophecy emerge? First emerged with two guys named Origen and Clement of Alexandria, who were in Alexandria. They 
adhered to the allegorical interpretation of Scripture, and their intent was to make the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, align with, with Greek philosophy. And there was a guy named Philo who lived a little bit before the time of Christ, who started this. He wanted to make Judaism appealing to the Greeks of his day, and he thought that if he could somehow merge Greek pagan philosophy with the Old Testament, that he could make the Bible appealing to both the Jews and to the Greeks at that time. Well, he thought that he could make the Bible appealing to the the Greeks of his day, and make Greek philosophy appealing to the to the Jews of his day, who were steeped in Judaism. And of course, he ran into much opposition from the rabbis of his day, of course. But it was in that same city that Origen and Clement rose, and, and really Origen was way far off base. He believed in universalism, that everybody was going to be saved, and he even believed in reincarnation and and actually, his views were condemned at the Council of Nicaea. Yes. But it was Augustine in the 5th century AD that made it popular, and he sort of revised the allegorical interpretations of Philo and Origen and Clement. It was aided by his anti-Semitism, which unfortunately was real, and mm. his love for Plato. And as I bring out in the book, there was this this affinity for for Plato that he had, even though he would say I, he didn't reject all the things of Plato, he just thought that all the glories of the millennium, that just seemed too carnal to him, and so he had to do them away with with allegory. But when you get down to it, if the Lord is engineering these things and bringing these things about, how can we consider them carnal? But anyway, it's just my editorial comment there. Yes. But <laughs> Augustine was a much more competent theologian than, than Origen or Clement, and so he carried the day, and the Reformers kind of followed him. But as I bring out in, in the book, it was after the Reformers that Bible scholars began using their principles of interpretation, that Scripture interprets Scripture, that the Bible has to be our basis for belief and practice, and the other one was sola scriptura, which is Latin, meaning that we only take things from the Bible. The Bible alone is that. And scripture interprets scripture means that it doesn't contradict itself. And if you have clear passages that mean that mean this, and there's an unclear passage, you let the clear passage interpret the unclear ones. And those two principles, even though the Reformers didn't go there, really sparked the revival of premillennialism that led to it dominating Bible-believing churches for most of the 1900s, the 20th century. We are visiting with author Jonathan Brentner and discussing his wonderful book, The Triumph of the Redeemed, talking about Scripture, interpreting Scripture, and, and really needing to drill down and understand what Scripture says. One of the common excuses or reasons that people offer for rejecting a pre-tribulation rapture of the church is when they confuse Bible passages on the rapture and the second coming. Can you clear up some of the confusion for us and explain some of the differences between the rapture and the second coming? Oh, sure, I'd love to. 
And as I said, it's the Bible. That's the basis for, for what we believe. And the problem with the allegorization of Scripture is that it does lead to confusion in other passages. And when that goes into the New Testament, there's this reluctance to to let the words on the page speak for what they say. But if you look carefully at the at what the passages say, you see that there are clear differences. The timing of the resurrection during the event is probably the most notable difference, you know, in First Thessalonians 4, you know, it talks about the fact that Jesus is going to raise the dead in Christ first. And so the passages that talk about the rapture, there's this emphasis that the dead in Christ are going to rise. That's going to be the very first thing that happens. Take it over to Revelation 20, you see that the Lord comes back with, with us, I believe, in a multitude of, of angels, and he, he comes and he defeats the armies that are gathered at Jerusalem. His feet, his feet touch down in on the Mount of Olives, and it splits in half. There's geographical changes, and he throws the Antichrist and the false prophet into the lake of fire. And then he sits up thrones and kingdoms, sits up thrones, I'll stop it there, and then he raises the tribulation saints, those who've been martyred during the tribulation, he raises those from the dead. And so it might, that might not even happen until days after Jesus' second coming, but with the rapture is the very first thing. You probably caught that the participants in the two resurrections are different with the second coming. It's a subset of believers. It's the tribulation saints, those who have been beheaded for the witness of Christ during the tribulation. And during the rapture, it's all the dead in Christ. It's everyone goes up, but there's a distinction there. And of course, the destination of the two events, it's clear that when Jesus comes for us, he takes us up to glory. John 14, verses 2 and 3 it's clear that Jesus is coming for us so that we may be where he is at and that we may be in heaven where he is at now. In Colossians 3, 4, you know, it says that when Jesus appears, we will appear with him in glory. So there's the destination is different with the, the second coming. The destination is earth. Everyone's feet that are on the earth, they don't leave the earth. They stay on the earth. And there's also the necessity of believers in their natural body entering the millennium. And here is where, why it's so essential that you start with premillennial beliefs when you start talking about the differences between the rapture and the second coming, because if you believe that the words of, of the prophets and revelation are literal, then you know that there has to be body believers in their natural bodies entering the millennium. The book of Isaiah talks about the long life and that some will die at age 100, be considered young. And the, the life that it talks about during the millennium is that of people in their natural bodies. It's Jesus ruling with a rod of iron, which he doesn't do so over the church, and he's not going to do so in the eternal state because there's no sin there. And so it has to be that time of the millennium where people enter in their natural bodies, they give birth to others, and the population grows exponentially. 
We are visiting with author Jonathan Brentner and discussing his wonderful book, The Triumph of the Redeemed. And we encourage you to pick up a copy by calling us at 1-800-652-1144 or visit us online at swrc.com. You can also connect with Jonathan on his personal website, jonathanbrentner.com. The title of the website is Our Journey Home. And you touched on First and Second Thessalonians, which speak so much about the rapture and the end times. And, and Paul mm-hmm. explained the truth of the rapture to bring hope to these people in Thessalonica. Why did they need to hear this truth in their day? As Paul starts out there in First Thessalonians, he mentions that some were grieving because of loved ones who had died. You know, he starts out, he says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. And even though it had only been a short time since Paul had left Thessalonica, some of the believers had died, and so he's writing to encourage them. The message he gives to them is that the dead in Christ are going to rise first, that they're going to be a part of the rapture. And I believe that what happened after Paul left is that he didn't have a chance to talk about the dead in Christ rising first. And, you know, and he goes on in this passage, you know, we declare to you by a word from the Lord, or the word of the Lord, that the dead in Christ are going to be taken first. And he also mentions that we do not want you to be uninformed. Conversely, if they were grieving because they didn't believe that their dead friends were going to be resurrected, that would have been a matter of unbelief, not being uninformed. And Paul's answer would have been remarkably similar to what he gives to us in 1 Corinthians 15, where he emphasizes that, yes, there is a resurrection. Believers are going to rise from the dead, you know, and those in Corinth were wrong for saying there is no resurrection of the dead. But He doesn't hit that, and we can be absolutely sure that Paul stressed the resurrection of the dead while he was in Thessalonica. I believe that the problem of dead saints and their role in the rapture had not arisen. And when Paul discovered that this was a problem with the Thessalonian believers, he thought, I believe he went to the Lord, and the Lord gave him the answer that they're going to be part of it. They're going to be raised first. That's powerful teaching. We're visiting with Jonathan Brentner, discussing his book, The Triumph of the Redeemed. And with the time that we have remaining, there may be people who are listening. No doubt there are people who are listening who are not ready for the rapture. In other words, they don't know that Jesus Christ is their Savior. How can we be ready for the rapture? How can we know that we will be taken up in the rapture? First of all, you know, all those who know Jesus is their Savior will go up in the rapture. The Lord is not going to leave any of his saints behind, regardless of what they believe. If they've truly been regenerated, he's going to take us with him, and there's great hope in that. But for those who are not yet in Christ, you need to know that Jesus died for your sins. He died on the cross, taking the wrath of God upon himself so that you might have forgiveness of sins, so that you might have his righteousness because he took our sins upon himself on the cross. And so 
it's a matter of believing, as Paul said to the Philippian jailer, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. In Romans, he said, those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's putting our trust and confidence in Jesus and, and who he is and what he means. Because it's so essential, you know, I go through this in, in the book, The Triumph of the Deemed, as well. But, but if you do not know the Lord as your Savior, please call upon him now while you have opportunity. We live in the last days, and I spend a lot more time on my website talking about the signs of the last days, but it's very clear that the Lord is coming soon, and we need to be securely in him before that happens. There will still be opportunity to turn to him during the tribulation, but you don't want to wait until then to do so because the cost will be very great. As the scripture says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we need to get right with the Lord. And so, friends, if you're listening and you're not sure that you have a relationship with Jesus, that you were born again, we encourage you to reach out to our ministry by calling 1-800-652-1144. Visit us online at swrc.com, and you will find all the contact information that you need to get in touch with us as well as the gospel message right there on our website. So we encourage you to do that today. Jonathan, it's been wonderful to visit with you these last two days. Thank you for coming on Watchmen on the Wall. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation, Josh. You can order your copy of Jonathan Brentner's book, Triumph of the Redeemed, for your gift of $20 to Southwest Radio Ministries by calling us at one 800 652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online at swrc.com. The latest issue of the Prophecy in the News magazine is available now. Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill, magazine editor Lise Cutshaw, and I highlight the topics addressed in this special issue. Hi, I'm Kenneth Hill. I am delighted to be with these dear friends that are with us today. We have Lise Cutshaw. Hey. She's the editor and the one that basically puts the Prophecy in the News magazine together for us, and she oversees that. Also, Josh Davis is here with us. Josh? Yeah, good to be with you, Dr. Hill. We're glad you're here. I noticed uh, that Alan Franklin is part of this magazine this time around. Alan he Franklin's is. been a longtime friend of mine, uh, he and his wife, Pat. And so we're excited to see that he's included an article in this magazine. Tell me about that. Well, I don't think that his article is going to make anyone feel particularly warm and fuzzy and comfortable, but he does give us a view of the Great Reset and what's going on in the world, especially relating to cash, cashless society, digital currency, but also what's happening to people, everyday people who are disagreeing with the global mindset and the tropes that they want us to believe and to promulgate. The end, of course, for him is positive as well because he keeps looking up and encourages us to do that. But he does have a very personal perspective on what's going on with the monetary situation worldwide. 
I noticed Jonathan Brentner has an article in on the UN's seven-year plan versus Daniel's seven-year plan. Who wants to talk about that? Well, Josh has interviewed him several times here lately, but I don't know that he's read this particular article that Jonathan has allowed us to run, but it is extremely interesting in that he has drawn attention to the UN's seven-year plan, which Josh has talked about in numerous articles and moments on the radio. But he compares the UN's seven-year plan to Daniel's seven-year plan. I'm using air quotes since you all can't see me do that. And it's, it's very interesting. He asks, is, it, is this a coincidence, the seven-year plan versus seven years of tribulation, and I'll let you read the article to find out what Mr. Brentner has to say. I also noticed that Terry James and Pete Garcia had written about the New World Order, so we've got some insight from those guys. And there's a Q&A from Pastor Larry's interviews, each on their new book with the New World Order and Worlds in Coalition and the Rebirth of Liberty and all sorts of other things. Yes, and that was a great interview or, or pair of interviews that Pastor Larry did, one with each of those authors. So we're looking forward to hearing some common sense from them because they're talking about the departure from common sense in the world now and some of their thoughts and things that they have observed about the merging of ancient paganism with biology and technology. We also wanted to close the magazine this month. We always end with a J.R. Church Classic article, but as I think we mentioned in our, in our last visit talking about the magazine, we were very sad to hear of the passing of Linda Church, who was so important to Prophecy in the News. And we have a little memorial to Linda Church and the legacy that she left along with JR, and are very honored to be able to have that connection with her. Prophecy in the News magazine is available. We would like to encourage you to get a subscription so you can enjoy the magazine with us. Just call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And ask for the magazine subscription rate and talk to Danny if he's the one that answers. Or Tabitha. Or Tabitha. And... uh, Let's see you get that subscription and join us with the Prophecy in the News magazine. Remember that we need to keep looking up at all times because our redemption draweth nigh. Stay informed and deepen your understanding of what's going on in today's world by subscribing to the Prophecy in the News magazine today. You can subscribe by calling us at 1 800 652 1144. That's 1 800 652-1144, or you can visit us online at prophecyinthenews.com. That's prophecyinthenews.com. Tomorrow, Pastor Larry Spargimino visits with Dr. Charles Thurston to discuss the importance of the Hebrew language, and Marvin McIlvaney 
brings us another Bible in the News report. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading the SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.